When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly Reefer Radio Rebellion as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers, and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I am your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 29th year speaking flower to power and found at hempfest.org. I am also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for the show, email me at hempresent at gmail.com. Dot com. Today's guest on Hemp Present is Connecticut hemp farmer and media personality, Luis Vega. The Farm Bill of 2018 ended the era of classifying hemp and hemp-derived products as controlled substances. And earlier this year, the United States Department of Agriculture published proposed interim final rules for domestic hemp production, including rules governing CBD, which can be extracted from hemp. The proposed rules come as sales of CBD are expected to reach $13 billion this year even as federal law continues to be vague and indecisive in the wake of CBD's rapid market ascension. Looking to fill the demand for CBD oil to be used in vape pens, topicals such as balms and salves, and eventually in in ingestible products such as gummies and drinks, Connecticut farmers have been eager to experiment with this hot new commodity. Luis Vega secured a permit to grow hemp under Connecticut's Hemp Research Pilot Program, and he has joined me today to enlighten us about his dive into hemp farming. Welcome, Luis, to Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. It's really a, a great thing to be able to sh- share some of this knowledge and share the hemp adventure with you. Awesome, man. Uh, well, it's great to have you, bro. You were previously connected to the corporate world, but you developed Crohn's disease 
and that kind of sets you off in a different direction. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up a hemp farmer? Did you did you self-medicate with cannabis? What was the evolution uh, that resulted in your current op- occupation? So I have been part of the cannabis world since about 16 years old. I self-medicated in that earlier age because I found that that, that was much more effective than the medicines that the large pharmaceutical companies were giving to me. And I, I had a couple different, uh, I had undergone a couple different procedures and, and operations. They, I, I don't have a large intestine. They removed some of my small intestine. I had an optomy bag. So I've been through the entire rigmarole of the digestive issues and cannabis. So as a youth, I got to learn about experience and self-medicate with cannabis to the point where I was now 18 and the law started changing and medical cannabis became much more available. I became a patient and now I've been a a medical patient for a few years. Uh, I'm a little older than than one likes to admit, but you know, medical cannabis and recreational cannabis and the plant and hemp and CBD have become everything in my life. Well, it was kind of a no-brainer for you because, you, like me, you were culturally introduced. So it was kind of a no-brainer for you because, you, you, like me, you were culturally introduced to cannabis when you were young. So you knew you knew what was going on, right? It, it's okay to be hip. If you're not hip to what's going on and you don't understand what's going on, then why be in it? This is something that generationally, as well as just being open-minded, allows you to experience this plant and understand it from early on versus everybody starting to get it now in their later days. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So a lot of people know that hemp has been cultivated for its fiber being the tall, stocky, fibrous cousin of euphoric cannabis uh, or intoxicating mm-hmm. cannabis, but you're growing, you're growing hemp for the CBD to be used in things like tinctures, transdermal patches. And in fact, some as smokable hemp, is that correct? That is correct. We are growing for CBD applications, which means that the plant doesn't look like the long, stalky plant that you were just describing. That's more for the fiber and more for the use in clothing and hemp hull and insulation. They're great for construction application. We grow some of that, but we grow mostly for CBD extraction and for that, for the cannabinoid uh, extraction process, which makes the plant look very similar to the intoxicating, to the, the very euphoric plant that we love very, very much. So you're growing the the, the more bushier, uh, close to the ground, uh, high CBD, low THC cannabis, right? That people, the kind of the kind of plants people are used to seeing. Correct. That is that's what we're growing this year and next year. Yeah. I, I support that, man. Um, in, addition, in addition to using the CBD-rich oil in the industrial hemp that you're growing, uh, I, I believe you're also able to utilize the stalks, leaves, pulp, and residual mass for inclusion in building materials. Is that, is that correct? Yes, you're correct. So instead of just using the CBD-rich oils for our tinctures and products, we also use the stalks for building materials. So after we're able to separate the CBD-rich buds that, that look very much like the euphoric plant that we that we definitely love. <laughs> but we save those stalks, we read them out, and we allow them to, to reach the ideal separation 
dryness, and then we separate the stalks for fiber and the hull inside for different construction applications like hemp creek, hemp particle board, and hemp insulation. So that's great. So you really have no waste. You're, you're utilizing the entire plant for various applications and, and, and getting a lot of bang for your buck, right? Yes, sir. Um, so, Luis, communities of color have been disproportionately targeted and persecuted under prohibition. Um, and in America, many people of Latino descent have come to America for employment as farm workers. You are a Latino American who owns his own farm operation. How striking is that for you? And do you think that the emerging cannabis industry can do more to level the playing field in terms of gender and racial equity in the form of management and ownership opportunities for persons of color in general? I really appreciate this question because it hits home very, very, very closely. Other than being a, a Latino farm owner and entrepreneur as well as on the radio as well media personality i am a big proponent of the equity act in cannabis just this weekend we met with the minority cannabis association out in las vegas during mj bizcon uh, for the minorities in cannabis luncheon as well as the minorities in cannabis evening mixer to help enrich the the community and make sure that our voices are heard a little bit more being a, a Latino American owner, there was not necessarily an equity program for me to go through to, be, to gain ownership. I truly believe that ownership is the only way that we can truly put the power back into our hands. Uh, we can start businesses or we can work for somebody else. And a lot of times having that, that ownership the, the ability to give back to the communities that we're from, not necessarily being part of a company that we're now putting in place an equity program, but making sure that the entire company is equity-based, understanding that we should do what we need to do as responsible owners for this equity section. Um, we will continue to have our conferences and our speakouts and help write policy so that policy is what drives ownership. Without ownership, there cannot be equity. Yeah, I just, I feel so strongly the same way, uh, you know, prohibition has been a catastrophic injustice and it's been meted out uh, to, to non-white people in this country to such a disproportionate degree and and I really, really promote the cannabis industry, prioritizing uh, racial equity, especially, um, and making sure that there's opportunities there uh, for, for, you know, the communities that have been most impacted. Uh, we have a little under two minutes before the next break. Um, do you have what, it, what we refer to here as seat to sale tracking in Connecticut, where you, uh, do you have, do you access your clones or seeds? Excuse me. Where do you access your clones and seeds and how does your state monitor and track each aspect of cannabis production? So we do have a seed to sale tracking system. We get access to our seeds through licensed seed vendors that are, have been vetted by the state and the state makes sure that they're in grind in every aspect of cannabis here. This is one of those highly regulated states. Yeah. Your governor, Ned Lamont, has spoken positively about hemp and CBD. 
what, what has the guidance and support been like from the state government agencies like the Connecticut Department of Agriculture? How, how supportive have they been to the new hemp industry? And do you feel like the state's providing adequate assistance? We've got about 45 seconds. The state has done a great job in integrating the Department of Agriculture and hemp. It's still an, a learning curve, but they are willing to come out and help us. I am speaking to Luis Vega, Connecticut hemp farmer. We're going to hear our sponsors, advertisers come back with our second segment. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back with Luis Vega. Luis, as a business owner, uh, in your opinion, how much of an obstacle is the federal limits on banking in terms of like securing, securing loans, insurance, using credit, etc.? As cannabis is federally illegal, and uh, there's just incredible restrictions on what cannabis businesses can do. Uh, how, how much of an impediment to your business uh, success and, and activity do you think that that is? I believe that if the federal government would open up the rules, it'd make everybody's businesses, not just mine, much more successful. The hindrance that we have in banking, it, is, it ties hands. It, it's oppressive, realistically. Um, I, I haven't given into that, but this, this one topic, is it is offensive. That's the way the banks banks treat us like illegal like if we're not good they really do have a negative stigma on it and it it, it hurts feelings um other than just a business practice that you're excluding an industry that does millions of dollars that's ranked on Forbes that has had businesses listed on Forbes list have had four businesses listed on the 30 under 30 so why wouldn't banks want to do businesses that are listed on the, the exchange, that are listed in Forbes? It's because of the rules that the federal government has in place. 
So the federal government would switch that up and allow easier access to banking or safer access to banking for legal cannabis businesses, that would open up and make everybody more successful. Yeah, you know, when the Occupy movement uh, happened at HempFest, at Seattle HempFest, we tried to move from a mainstream bank to a credit union and we were told, oh, I'm sorry, we can't do business with you because you have the word hemp in your name. And we're like, wait a minute, you know, you can sell hemp legally. I buy, I buy a hemp latte every day. Uh, we're a federal nonprofit and we have been for years, right? And it took us several months uh, of, of wrangling with the, uh, uh, with the corporate offices and stuff. And we just, we've encountered that kind of thing many, many times. Uh, and so now that hemp is, is, is legal, you would think that the federal government would change uh, that designation, at least for hemp uh, businesses. Uh, so, you know, still waiting uh, to see what happens. Um, Luis, the United States Department of Agriculture recently published its interim final rules for domestic hemp production, hemp samples. And that requires that farmers will need to deliver crop samples to DEA certified labs 15 days before harvest for certification. How do you feel about these new guidelines and regulations? Will they make things harder on hemp producers or do they provide needed oversight in a confusing new industry with a lot of inconsistencies and often state and local regulations? It makes it very difficult seeing as that the state of Connecticut doesn't have a DEA approved lab. So I would have to transport my hemp across state line before it was tested as to a completely different state. Or I would have to drive a four hour time frame get it to that lab now with a four-hour drive up a four-hour drive back that adds it to the cost it makes it a day's worth of labor just to get my lab my lab result to the to this specific lab and that's different than the past because we were able to use our state approved lab now that we have to get a federally approved lab not only is it going to add the amount of time but the overload of samples to these labs is going to be ridiculous. How many rape kits do we have currently that have that exact same requirement? Do not go test it. How many, what's going to, what's going to happen is going to be that the backlog on these is going to be unsurmountable. There's no way that people, that people can make this happen. I'm going to be dropping samples off to a lab that now has to service two or three states versus our state approved lab, which would only have to serve our approved licenses. Do you think that this makes a benefit for large industrial scale operations uh, that they'll have a, an easier time dealing with this rather than smaller mom and pop grows? It definitely creates a larger barrier for entry because the larger companies are going to be able to do the, the exams at five, $6,000 every single time because they can afford those, those expenses. But for the mom and pop like me, I, I can't afford taking two days to just drop off a lab result and then waiting 14 days and hoping that they get to my exam, to my sample. Because if they don't get to my sample, then I have to resubmit another sample and I don't get anything back and it's a complete loss. And then what happens? You have to destroy your crop? We would have to destroy our crop because the government didn't do, do their due diligence. That's just crazy. You know, I, I, everybody I know that I have a lot of friends in Oregon that are growing the same exact kind of uh, CBD rich cannabis that you are. And they are just freaking out saying it's that this stuff's going to put them out of business. There's also this, this is, they moved from uh, 0.03% Delta nine uh, THC to 
all THC, 3% all THC. Uh, and they say that that's just going to make it impossible for them. Uh, it, why, it's going to be very rough for a lot of. Why do you, think, you have any idea why they're doing this? I believe that it's miseducation and I believe that they just don't understand totally what needs to happen. They're trying to create a very hard separation. And with it, this, those are USDA rules. And the funny part is that as you look at that language, it looks like the DEA wrote it. it it's got its fingers in inside the language where it shouldn't be. Because there's a lot of things that are wrong with that language because it doesn't identify for sovereign nations as well. Tribal people want to grow hemp as well. I'm, I'm a third Taino Indian. Uh, so when we like to, to understand why aren't our native tribes having the ability to do this, it's because the government didn't put in the, the information there. So not only is this causing a problem for small mom and pops like me, but it's causing an even bigger problem for sovereign nations. Well, you know, our indigenous First Nations peoples of this country have been treated worse than anybody else. I mean, we, it's, 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 you know, it's an outrage. It's a national shame uh, how our indigenous people have been treated. And if anybody should have an opportunity, uh, they should. Um, and they should have a sovereign right to grow anything any way that they want. I mean, do you agree? We 100% agree. And so this week we made sure we were out there at the Indigenous Agricultural Summit in Vegas right as MJ BizCon was going on. And it's the, it's the Native Sovereign First Nation. First Nation leaders are the, are the most outspoken about this because the language doesn't even include them. And this is one of those passionate topics that I, I had to talk about. And I apologize for taking some of that extra time. But our Native people need, need to be able to grow hemp as well. Oh no, we have we have plenty of time for this subject because it's it's one of my pet peeves too, man. And uh, you know, uh, we have an indigenous opening and closing ceremony at Hempfest every year. With we had about twenty dancers and drummers uh, this year um, to make sure that everybody understands that we realize that that we're on we're on somebody else's land and uh, yeah, uh, and we need to make it right uh, the best that we can. Um, I would love to interview somebody uh, from the Indigenous Agricultural Summit if, if you've got any contacts there. Uh, I would love to get somebody uh, from, from, from that, that, that uh, arena on this, on this uh, show uh, because I think that this is one of the most important things uh, that we need to do. You know, that the cannabis industry is a brand new nascent industry. It comes from a culture that by and large has been uh, an aware, conscious, spiritual, uh, artistic, gentle culture. Um, and I'm very concerned that the corporatization, the commoditization um, of cannabis, and I don't see this as true legalization. I see it as commoditization. I'm very concerned uh, that we are losing some of that, uh, that cultural awareness uh, that, that we've experienced all these years. Um, but we have about a minute before the uh, next break, I see. So as a cannabis producer, even for industrial hemp, you are required to abide record-keeping and reporting requirements, including planting reports, THC testing reports, harvest reports, destruction reports. How much time does all that paperwork take out of the actual framing of the uh, farming of the plants? And is that stuff just all overkill when you're essentially growing a weed? I mean, you're not operating a nuclear power plant. You're just growing a weed. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. A lot of this paperwork is overkill, but we do make it happen. It's about a half hour uh, a week for paperwork, so it's not horrible, but it is overkill, yeah. Talking to Luis Vega, we're going to take another break and come right back. We're going to roach it for a minute, but don't go anywhere. We're going to come back for our final segment. Time to roll out for the people that let us present. Hang loose. 
We're coming right back. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak Peak with Richard Zwicky. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. Protus Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back for our final questions for Luis Vega. Uh, Luis, we have a couple minutes uh, left in the show. Is there anything you'd like to add while we still have some time? I know you have your own podcast. I've enjoyed listening to it. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. We host a small show called Cannabis Corner New Haven out of New Haven, Connecticut. It's also broadcasted live on the radio. Um, so you can check that out uh, if you're ever in the Connecticut, New England area at 1035, which is pretty cool. Um, one thing I would love for all listeners, and this is something I say all the time, and Join your local advocacy groups. If you have a hemp fest in your area, join them. Help them. See how you can help push this movement along. If you have a cannabis coalition in your area that you work with, take the time and come out and say hello to them. Um, A big shout out to uh, Minorities for Medical Marijuana and the Minority Cannabis Business Association. Those are two that I hold near and dear to my heart. And if I had a couple seconds to say something, Take a second and go and do something. Let's break the stereotype. Let's not be this quote-unquote lazy stoner. And and let's really show the world that that us cannabis enthusiasts can really make a change. Right on, my brother. We've had Minorities for Medical Marijuana on this show and uh, and a great organization. And what you're doing is great, too. I just really – I really connect with you and appreciate uh, what you're doing up there. And uh, all of us here at Cannabis Radio want to share our love 
uh, for all of our Connecticut brothers and sisters, man, that are that are fighting the fight and growing the herb and uh, and and keeping it real, man. So thank you so much for being on the show, bro. Thank you so much, good brother. I appreciate you. And there's a bond that won't end. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Well, let's stay in touch, man. Uh, <laughs> hempy trails to you, bro. Thank you. Stay happy, healthy, and high, my friend. You bet. Now we get to a weekly feature of him present on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week, and here it is. With their investment, jobs have been created, jobs are going to be created, and they've signed contracts with family farmers. Hemp equals jobs and true economic growth, which is what we predicted when we launched Senate Bill 50 two years ago. That is Kentucky Agriculture Commissioner James Comer during a news conference on May 5th, 2015. And now had selected 121 participants to grow hemp. That concludes this installment of present on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the, cam- in the cannabis community with impunity. I knew I could get that out. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find your voice and speak up for justice because it's fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music maestro because I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.